With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, Duggan finally gets some time, Gus, and watch, he's trying to attack that zone deep in the right middle of the field. He gets the time, and now he's able to get into that throw, and it's a beautiful route. And there's the completion and the touchdown, and Davis walks in. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. A little college football weekend heading uh, up this Saturday. And this is the Joel Klatt Show. Welcome in. I am Joel Klatt, and I am so happy that you joined us here on a Thursday, getting ready for these games on Saturday. Um, listen, there's there's some good stuff to get into, but if you haven't listened to the episode so far this week, you need to go back and check that out. Uh, on Monday, why I ranked Michigan ahead of Ohio State, uh, plus fallout from the Clemson and Bama loss, and I give you my thoughts on exactly where those two programs are and where they're headed. Uh, so go back and download that episode. Uh, Wednesday, yesterday, full reaction to the CFP rankings that came out on Tuesday night, including why I think the ACC is going to struggle with their path to the playoff, uh, as well as my thoughts on UCLA and USC and why I did not think that the committee did the Bruins any favors. Those are the two episodes that have already landed. Go back, download them, uh, and then when you're there, leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, because that's all uh, what we need to be doing on this I can't wait for this show because there's a lot of there's a lot of really good storylines and some in some contests on Saturday. And we're getting down to the point in that in in the season where you know we we start to look at who controls their own destiny in each of these conferences. Uh game location starts to really matter and teams start to separate themselves out. The games that we remember are played in November, okay? And that's where we're at. And this is where championship teams have to start playing their best football. So that's why it's the most exciting time of year, not just because it's almost Thanksgiving and then almost Black Friday and then Christmas and then all of a sudden it's New Year's and then all of a sudden it's like ski week here in California and everybody gets left out of school and then all of a sudden it's Easter. So happy Easter, everybody. Um, it's, it's about that close. That's kind of how I always feel about middle of November. Let's get into it. I want to uh, talk about a few games, but then also some of these conference races and, and the teams that control their own path to a conference championship in each of the Power Five conferences. So let's get started. Let's get started with the game that Gus, Ginny, and I will be at on Saturday. Indiana at number two, Ohio State. Yep. <clears throat> You heard that correct. Indiana at Ohio State. It's only, I think, a 40-point spread right now. Um, and I think it's actually ticked up from the last time I looked. It might be 40 and a half. Ohio State favored, by the way. If you were wondering at all, Ohio State's favored by the 40 and a half. Um, I'm almost certain this is the largest spread in a game that I've ever called. Uh, so... <laughs> We'll see how it goes. The Hoosiers have lost six straight, but it's not in, about Indiana. It's not about the fact that Indiana has been struggling mightily on their offensive line. They had to replace their offensive line coach after the Michigan game this last year, or excuse me, uh, during the course of the season. Uh, 
I counted like 16 tackles for loss that they gave up a week ago in that loss to Penn State. But it's not about Indiana. It's not about Tom Allen. It's not about that. Clearly, it's a 40-point spread for Ohio State. It's about Ohio State. And for Ohio State, there's really only one question that they need to be addressing, and that is, what are you on the offensive line? I talked about this on Monday, and it was the basis of why I moved to Michigan ahead of Ohio State to number two, at least in my poll, uh, coming out of last weekend. I know the weather was bad last Saturday. I get it. I get it. And as I said on Monday, I've played in a game where there was 30, 35, 40, 45 mile an hour winds right in my face. We, we, got, we got postponed, not postponed, what did it say? Delayed, excuse me, at Iowa State by an actual tornado. True story in 2005. When we rolled out there, the wind was just howling right in our face. We couldn't throw the football and it was very difficult to run the ball, but we weren't Ohio State. And the bottom line is, is that Ohio State wasn't playing a team that was even in the middle of the Big Ten last week. They were playing Northwestern. And I just, they did not control the game with their offensive line to the degree that they should have. Now, did they win? Yes. Was it far too difficult? Yes. Are they really good when the weather is fine? Yes. As I said before, during the course of this, this week, I trust Ohio State more in a potential Big Ten championship game in a dome in Indianapolis, in a CFP semifinal, which would most likely be like in Glendale in the Fiesta Bowl, or in the CFP national championship game, which this year is going to be in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. I trust them much more in those conditions than I do, that. let's say, if the weather's bad on November 26th. Now, I know that Buckeye fans are not crashing weather.com this week because it's Indiana, it's a 40-point spread. But if you were checking on Saturday's weather, it's 42 degrees with 13 mile an hour of wind. They're, they're likely going to be just fine. But they have to focus on getting tougher with their offensive line. They've got to focus on trying to establish some rhythm with their offensive line. Now, we've seen them struggle at times before, um, even under Ryan Day, and it took them a while, but they eventually figured it out. Like the COVID year, they weren't running the ball all that great to begin the year. And what happened? Well, Justin Fields got a little bit loose in the run game as a quarterback. And then they found Trey Sermon, backed him up into the pistol, and he became very dynamic to the point where he set an Ohio State record for rushing in a game in their Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern. And that was a much better Northwestern team than what they faced a week ago. Mayan Williams was their featured back uh, last week. We'll see about Trevion Henderson and his health. Mayan Williams had 11 carries for 22 yards in the first half. It was much better in the second half, so kudos for them uh, for that. 15 attempts, 89 yards in the second half but it's all about that run game. Again, Buckeye fans, all you're doing, and I know a lot of you, is checking the weather for November 26th. And you need to alleviate some of that with the potential of a dominant run performance this week in a game in which you have a 40-point spread. All right, let's move forward. I got three other games that I want to really dig into. Let's start with the one deep in the heart of Texas. Number four, TCU at number 18, Texas. Great game. Uh, I'm excited for this game. I'm excited for this game for a number of different reasons. I just covered TCU. I understand the excitement around that program, and it's palpable. Uh, Max Duggan has played himself into the conversation for the Heisman Trophy. I really like their back, Kendra Miller. 
Uh, Quentin Johnston, while he didn't play last week, it looks like, based on what Sonny Dykes has said and even some of his teammates have said, that Quentin Johnston will be back this week against Texas, which is much needed because they're a far different offense with him on the field than off the field, which really goes without being said because of how talented he is. His size, his ability, he's a legitimate top of the first round NFL draft pick this spring if he decides to come out and with him on the field they run the ball more efficiently Duggan's a much better quarterback he creates space the ball gets out of his hand all of those things so that's going on for TCU coming into this game other personnel related issues though for TCU there's a big one on the defensive side one of their foundational leaders on defense a guy that's been at TCU for a long time and played really well is a linebacker that won't be in the game in the first half. D. Winters was ejected for targeting, and rightly so, by the way. It was textbook targeting against Texas Tech. So now he's going to be out in the first half, and now all of a sudden, TCU, which is not great defensively, but can get the job done in particular when they get like a couple of timely stops, which is what they've done during the course of the season. Now they're going to be without a starting linebacker, and they're going to be facing, facing the best running back in the Big 12. Bijan Robinson went off last week went off and his 30 attempts for 209 yards was one of the better days that he's ever had in his career in fact the only day that he's had that's any better than what he had last week against Kansas State was against this TCU team he went 30 plus carries for 200 plus yards uh, against TCU last year not a good omen not a good omen for TCU but you know what this game is not about personnel it's not about statistics really it's more about the moment and the trajectory for Texas. That's what this game is all about. The more that I sat there and like dug into this and I looked at quarterback play, who's got the advantage, running back play, who's got the advantage, who's got the better defense, I always come down to in these big games, you know, where's the game being played, the game location. And obviously this game being played at Texas should matter a great deal. So long as Texas is who we think they can be. If Texas is a top-tier program or wants to head in that direction, they have to win on Saturday. They have to win on Saturday. And it's not just to keep their hopes alive. It's not just because they're one of the teams that controls their own path to a conference championship game. It's because top-tier teams take care of their home field. Period. Period. And if Texas wants to be included in that top tier, if they want to recruit at that level, if they want to say that they are on that level, they've got to win on Saturday. It's that simple. All right, so now they're going to get the primetime treatment. It's a big game. you got the big crew in there. I believe I believe Herbie and Fowler are calling that game. I, I'm, I'm not totally sure, but I believe that that's the case. It's a big moment, and Texas has to rise to that occasion. We have seen time and time again this year, the home team in big games generally always wins. In fact, the only top 15 game that we've seen this year where the road team has won has been Ohio State at Penn State. They're 1-11 in those games. You look around the country, guess what you see in top-tier programs? Home dominance. Not just like, hey, yeah, they're pretty good at home. No, no, no. Home dominance. Check out these numbers. Georgia has won 33 of the last 34 in their home stadium. 
Bama, 49 of the last 50 in their home stadium. Clemson, 59 of the last 60, including 38 straight at home. Ohio State, 35 of their last 36 in the shoe. Oregon, 23 straight at home. Good top-tier programs take care of their home field. It what it, It's what has undone Alabama this year. They've had to go to Texas, to LSU, to Tennessee. It was too much to overcome. It's what is deciding the SEC East because Tennessee has to go to Georgia. All right, so this has to be a great home field environment, number one and two. They've got to take care of it. Texas has not, by the way, over the last three years. They're 11-5 and five in the last three years, and home teams do not go 11-5 and five at home in a three-year span. Under Sark, this team is 8-3 and three at home. This is a massive game and a massive moment for the Texas program. Are you elite, and are you headed in that trajectory and in, in that direction? If you are, they win on Saturday. They're favored by seven, and I would even say not only do they win, but they cover the seven if they're headed in the right direction. So Texas, I've believed in you during the course of the season. I've said that you are on that trajectory and you're on that path. So guess what? I'm taking Texas. I'm giving the seven. They're going to cover the seven. They win at home. Their home environment has got to start equaling what they're seeing from other top-tier programs. So that's the TCU-Texas matchup. Let's move on. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors often running small businesses right in your community. Plus. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Number seven, LSU at Arkansas. Okay. Okay. So if any of you are like me and you are sitting there and check the lines, were you shocked at this line? Because I was. LSU favored by three at Arkansas? I'm sorry. This feels like a trick. Because I just saw LSU beat Alabama, and I just saw Arkansas lose to Liberty by four. 21-17. I'm not smart, but like three? Does Vegas know something that we don't know? Because 
this feels like a trick. This feels like when your wife or your girlfriend like walks down and then they just say like, not not even like the, the blatant one, like, does this make me look fat? Like, that's an easy answer. That's not a trick, right? Like, that's just an easy answer. No, of course it doesn't. This is, do you like this sweater? And like, no indication whatsoever. You're like, oh, I don't. I don't know. That's not an answer. LSU minus three at Arkansas. I immediately was like, what? Is Jaden Daniels sick? Is Brian Kelly quitting? Um, I like what? Just look at this game. LSU seven and one since the opener. Only lost to Tennessee. Arkansas struggling on defense, giving up 6.8 yards per play and 470 yards per game in SEC play. That's 13th in the league. They just lost to Liberty at home, 21-17. And Jaden Daniels is playing his best football. 182 passing yards, 95 rushing yards, three total TDs against Bama. Minus three? Like, what do we... What? What? Maybe Vegas knows something about the maturity of the LSU team because here's one thing I do know about just the nature of teams in college football. You don't understand the maturity level of your team based on what happens when they face adversity. You figure out the maturity level of your team based on how they deal with success. And so we're going to find out about LSU. This is when we find out whether Brian Kelly is doing something legitimate. Okay, are you, again, and I said this after Tennessee beat Alabama, are you Texas A&M or Ole Miss that beat Alabama in previous years and don't do anything with it, or are you Tennessee? Can you handle the success? Can you go out and win subsequent games? That's what I'm going to learn. We're all going to learn from this LSU-Arkansas game. Listen, it goes without being said. I'm taking LSU. I'm giving the three clearly and I'm hoping we all look up at the end of the day on Saturday and LSU won by two scores maybe even three scores and we're like that was the easiest bet we ever made something tells me inside that like they're going to be tied in the fourth quarter and we're all going to be like of course they don't build the buildings for nothing and it's like the old adage and every time anyone says that to me it's like oh Vegas is pretty good don't build those buildings for nothing I just roll my eyes because I'm like, that's the that's the most old man dad take of all time. So here we go. LSU minus three at Arkansas. Do you like this sweater? Yes. I do like the sweater. It makes you look beautiful. I'll take LSU. Give the three. Tigers all day long. Next up. Number 25, Washington at number six, Oregon. Okay. Okay. A little battle for Northwest supremacy. Um this could be a tough matchup for Oregon, folks. I know everybody is praising Oregon, and rightly so. This team, since that opening loss to Georgia, has been one of the best teams in the country. Statistically, they've got big wins. Uh, obviously, taking down UCLA was was a solid win. It's a tough place to go win for anybody, even if you're familiar like Washington is. Again, Oregon has won 23 in a row. Texas looking at you. Ducks are outscoring teams by 22 since that Georgia game. And Bo Nix leads the country with 20, uh, uh, excuse me, 36 total touchdowns. This, this should 
be kind of an easier bet, right? Because it's like, okay, Kalen DeBoer in his first year, transfer quarterback, even though they're both in their first year and they both have transfer quarterbacks. Like Oregon at home, uh, they're, they're good on the offensive line. Look at the way they've been playing. But then all of a sudden you get to this point where it's like, it's not a great matchup for Oregon. Why is that? Well, Oregon gave up 439 passing yards to Georgia. They gave up 375 passing yards to Washington State. They gave up another 328 passing yards to Cal. They are the 117th ranked pass defense in America. And they're about to face, on Saturday, the number one passing team in the country. That's not a good matchup. Michael Penix is really good. He's veteran, and he's with a guy that he knows and there's familiarity with with in Kalen DeBoer from their time at Indiana. They're throwing for 360 yards or more a game. Um, that That's a problem. That is a problem for Oregon. So I, then I look at that one, and I'm like, wait, 13 and a half is that line for Oregon, and I know that they're at home, and I know that we're all like on the Oregon train, and I understand that, but that's not a great matchup. So... I think Oregon's going to win it, but close. Washington covers the 13 and a half, so I would take the Huskies and, and the 13 and a half, but I think the Ducks actually get it done and win the game and retain their control of the path uh, to the Pac-12 championship game. So those are my my really my three bets, if you will, because I don't pick the games that I call. So I've got Texas. I think they cover the seven. LSU, this feels like a trick, and I love your sweater. Washington, they, uh, I would take the 13 and a half. And if you bet those three, that's 100 bucks to win $711. 100 for 711 in the Clat Parlay this week. But I'm not done yet. I want to get to just outlining a, a, a few of the things that we should be paying attention to in some of these conference uh, races coming down the stretch. Of the Power Five conferences, here are the teams that actually control their own path to a conference championship game. Okay, I'll put them up on the screen for those of you watching, um, but those of you that are just listening, in the ACC, it's only two, Clemson and North Carolina. In the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois control their own path. In the Big 12, there are three teams, TCU, Texas, and Baylor. In the Pac-12, only Oregon controls their own path. And in the SEC, only two, Georgia and LSU. So those are the only teams that have full control over their own path to their own conference championship game. So then you start looking at their schedules and you start to see and 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 think to yourself, okay, who's got the more difficult path? Who's got the more difficult locations to play? And here's basically where you land out or where I land out. Discount the ACC because Clemson and North Carolina basically have nothing in front of them. They're going to play for the ACC championship game. In the Big Ten, it's very obvious. Ohio State's going to play Michigan. Michigan's going to play Ohio State. By the way, Illinois has got Purdue and Michigan. In the Big 12, it's a little bit different. Let me come back to that. Oregon, a little bit different. Come, I'll come back to that. Georgia and LSU, fairly straightforward pass. Not much in front of them in order to get to that game uh, in Atlanta. But the Big 12 and the Pac-12 is different, and I think that we're going to have a fantastic race to the finish in both of those conferences. Let me just outline this really quickly. In the Big 12, let's start with TCU. They're sitting in the top spot right now, but they've got two really tough games ahead of them in their next three. At Texas this week, at Baylor also the week after. 
that's going to be very difficult, right? I've talked so many times over the last couple of weeks of how hard it is to win on the road in tough environments, and so TCU definitely has a tough path. Baylor, they've got three really tough games, Kansas State, TCU, and at Texas. So that's a tough path for Baylor, and if you're looking at this, why did I save the Longhorns for last? Let me tell you why. Because it goes with exactly what I was telling you in this breakdown for the TCU game specifically. Texas's toughest remaining opponents are TCU this week and Baylor later in the season. Both at home. Both at home. This is why it matters where you play. And this is why it matters if you're a top-tier team about taking care of your home field. So I, I still think Texas is going to play in their conference championship game. And here's to the larger point. You better, Texas, Oklahoma is down. You cannot be the University of Texas and be a, a, a program that we all think that you should be and not go to the conference championship game in a year in which your biggest rival and the only other real threat from a recruiting sense, Oklahoma, is down. Texas has to go to the conference championship game. The schedule is perfectly set up for them. They're playing their remaining big games at home against TCU and Baylor. There's no excuses. Texas needs to play for the conference championship. They've got the schedule, and they need to get it done. Last one would be the Pac-12, and it's the game that I just touched on. Washington is at Oregon. Uh, Oregon also has Utah at home and then at Oregon State. I would just say this. Of the remaining contenders in the Pac-12, Oregon has by far the toughest road to hoe. Those are three very difficult games. They're going to have to play really well to win them. Even at Oregon State is not an easy contest. Okay, so that Oregon State team is going to be difficult for Oregon to beat. They've got Washington this week with the top-ranked passing offense in the country. They've got Utah, which just handled them last year twice, once in the regular season and once in the conference championship game. So Oregon is up against it. They do have two of those three at home, which should bode well for, the, uh, well for them, seeing as they've won 23 straight in Autzen Stadium. All right. That's going to do it for me for this week. Uh, it's been a great week. I can't wait for these games on Saturday. Gus, Jenny, and I will be in the shoe for Ohio State, Indiana. And we'll be back on Monday to break everything down. All these games we've been talking about, all the topics that you want to hear about, I'll have them for you on Monday right here on the Joel Klatt Show. You can follow us uh, on the show um, all the social medias at Joel Klatt Show. You can follow me on social media at Joel Klatt on Twitter at Joel underscore Clat on Instagram. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, leave us a review, rate our podcast, because listen, we're doing awesome things here. You guys have been loving the show. I'm very thankful for that. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, to sit here and chat about the sport that I love every single week, three times a week, and I'm grateful that you uh, have been enjoying it. So that'll do it for this week. Enjoy the football on Saturday. We'll see you again on Monday.